Do you remember the days uh, before online shopping and before the pandemic when we used to go to the shopping malls? Uh, okay, I guess we still go occasionally, just a little less frequently. Uh, shopping has never really been something that I have uh, especially enjoyed. Uh, I remember years ago when I had to go to the mall with my parents, and I would wait patiently as they browse for whatever it is that they browse for. And what I preferred to do was take a seat on one of the benches and just observe. Just observe people. Uh, this is still something that, uh, that I do when Paige and I go to the mall together. Uh, you know how some people like bird watching? I like to do a little bit of people watching. And uh, this is when I'm not on my phone anyways. So uh, you, I know I didn't do this, or I don't do this to judge people or to criticize people, um, but rather just to observe. I like to observe how, how people interact with one another, uh, how they carry themselves. And I'd wonder a little bit about their stories. See, I want to understand people. Uh, because as we as followers of Christ, we are very much in the, the people business. Uh, we want to reach people. We want to draw them in. And so over the past little while, I have noticed uh, some common trends in people. And it's no secret that we are living in some pretty polarizing times. And I've made mention of that numerous times. Uh, the stuff that divides us uh, is seemingly everywhere. Now, someone I was talking with the other day uh, made a very astute observation. He said, disasters, they have a way of bringing us together. Right? You look at where there have been hurricanes or tornadoes or flooding or that kind of thing, and you will notice how people will rally around one another to help and to serve one another. But pandemics, they do something very different. Pandemics pull people apart. And this is because rather than looking for ways to serve one another, it becomes so much about ideology and opinions and that kind of thing. And so you throw in an election on top of all that, and I don't know how else to describe it except for divisive. And through this all, I have noticed uh, that there's a lot of hurt. Uh, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of anger in people. And we see evidence of this uh, through you know, some of the tension that will exist with, with families and friends. Uh, we see evidence of this hurt and anger on social media. And we see also stories, and we hear stories of, of people who are rude or abusive toward store or restaurant employees. And we see it also in the protests. Uh, that have happened recently. And so my kids and I, we were biking home one day, and we happened to be biking by a protest that was going on near our house. And so I told them, uh, we're going to go on a little bit of a field trip, just to observe, just to listen a little bit. And as far as I can remember, this is, I think, the first only uh, protest I've ever witnessed in person. And there was a lot that was said in the short time that we were there. But this is what I heard People are hurting. People are tired. People are confused. And people are angry. And they just want to be heard. Uh, they want someone to listen. And you know what? Deep down, this is true for every one of us. We want to be heard. Uh, we want to know that we matter. We want to know that we belong. 
And we want to know that someone has our back. And so this morning, we're going to continue with the theme of community. And this is a theme that runs uh, throughout Scripture. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. And one of the big questions that we'll be exploring is this. How can we, the church, bring people together in a world and at a time uh, where everything seeks to pull us apart? How can we be the type of people that bring people together? And so with that in mind, you know, our, our current context and, and the issues that we are facing, I invite you to listen to these verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Now, I've included these, uh, these verses in your bulletin insert, and so I invite you uh, to pull that out. And as I read the passage, I invite you to circle the three most uh, applicable or important traits, in your opinion, uh, traits that you think might specifically apply to or help us as we face these issues and stuff that we are facing in this time. Then, if you are struggling to pick only three, because there's quite a few in this list, I invite you to underline the next few most important traits. And it's okay if your list is different than your neighbor's traits. Uh, I'm not going to quiz you about it after. Uh, in fact, if your list is different, that's actually probably really good, uh, because uh, it will make a nice talking point later. So, there we go. Uh, so I invite you to pull out your bulletin insert uh, and pull out a pen as we read this together. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with those of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, become over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this past summer, I did a, this past spring and summer, I did a bit of a series on, on the book of Romans on some of the key sections. And I was planning on my, my previous sermon, Romans 14, to be the last one in this series. However, as I was reflecting on the theme of community, uh, Romans 12 kept coming to mind. And no doubt this is probably because I've spent a lot of time in this book over the last couple of months. Uh, in March, I had taken a, a seminary class on the book of Romans and for one of my major projects, I chose to do a memorization project instead of write one of the papers. And so the chapters I had to memorize were chapters 8 and 12. It was 50 verses. And this memorization, you know, some people are probably really good at memorization. It turns out I'm not as good as I thought I was. It took me hours upon hours of time to do this. 
And I had these verses, they were posted in different places around my house, and there was a couple of weeks in a row where I'd spend like 30 minutes almost every day walking on our treadmill in the basement with it sitting there and reading and reciting it to myself. And I listened to these chapters on repeat when I was at the gym, and I read it in my devotion time. Now something pretty special happened during these many hours, especially when I had gotten to the point of being able to recite big chunks of it out loud. I began to discover uh, some of the emphasis and the excitement that I believe Paul had as he was writing this. And I kind of captured the heart of it. And then I would begin to recite it. As, it was, as I would recite it to myself, I began to preach it to myself. And it was a pretty powerful experience. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is one of the great benefits of of regular time in God's word and memorizing scripture. Uh, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it has a transforming effect in our lives. And so in chapters 1 to 11 uh, of Romans, the the Apostle Paul, he lays down this theological foundation for for unity in the church. These chapters, they're so rich in theological truths about who God is and who we are, specifically who we are as followers of Christ. And then in chapters 12 to 16, Paul gets into the, the really practical stuff. And so this is what we call lived theology, or in other words, theology lived out. And so here in chapter 12, uh, Paul gives us some of the moral grounds for unity in the church. He says this is how we should live and act toward one another, specifically toward the people that God has put in our lives. So it's love and action. And as much as the book of Romans was written to the church, God has always intended uh, for us to extend his kingdom values beyond, to reach people, to invite people, to bring people toward Jesus. And you will notice in these verses, there's kind of a rapid-fire approach uh, to these verses. And rather than give this long exposition on each point, what Paul's seeking to do is to give kind of an overview of what it looks like uh, to live in love and community together from kind of from a general and moral perspective. And so there's there's a lot in this section here. I'm not going to try to give explanation to every point of it. But it's helpful to read the whole context in order to kind of, you know, capture the vision behind it and to capture uh, the overall attitude, the mentality that's going on here, uh, to capture the heart of it. And so how can we, the church, bring people together in a world and at a time where everything seeks to pull us apart? And I'd be curious to see what it is that you all circled on your paper as the top three traits of bringing people together. There's so many in this passage. Uh, Honor one another. Uh, Be faithful in prayer. Share with those who are in need. Uh, Rejoice and mourn with others. Bless those who persecute you. Be humble. Don't take revenge. Serve others. I could keep going. And the reason I'd ask you to circle three is so that in the brief time you had uh, that you would maybe wrestle with it a little bit and not just circle the whole passage. Did anyone circle the whole passage? No, you don't have to. Okay, all right. So, I'm sure some of you did, right? Uh, and so the verse that I'm really wanting to zero in on and focus our time this morning is just one verse. Verse 13, 
and the two words at the very end of it. Practice hospitality. Now, if you want to bring people together, hospitality is a great way to start. So what is hospitality? Hospitality is an offer to identify with outsiders and treat them as insiders. It literally means love of strangers. It's about being welcoming and open. And its primary purpose is to kind of create a safe place for welcomeness and friendship. And the application certainly applies uh, to anyone who is new or unknown, but it also includes all those who maybe have spent their whole lives with us but have always kind of felt like an outsider. And so our vision statement here at SCMC says, we envision an environment of openness as we gather, becoming more like Jesus as we grow and being missionaries where we live and around the world as we go. But that first part, we envision an environment of openness as we gather. All right, that's, that's hospitality. That's what hospitality is all about. We want people to feel welcomed. We want people to belong. We want people to be able to experience real and meaningful relationships and support and care. We want people to be able to be real with one another. And it starts and it continues with a welcoming presence, with hospitality. Now, over the past year and a half, uh, we have in many ways forgotten how to do this. Uh, See, the the masks and and the physical distancing kind of run a bit contrary to uh, what hospitality is all about. It's kind of the big reasons why I've kind of struggled with this during this challenging time. Um, But please hear me, my mission today is not to uh, complain or to gripe about uh, the restrictions or anything like that. Uh, That's not going to bring us together, nor will it bring us closer to Christ. It's just what we have to do in this time. But rather, what can hospitality look like especially in our current context. See, hospitality is what is needed right now. Actually, it's always been needed. But after a long and grueling pandemic that we are still going through, we need it. And some people, they are especially gifted in this area. Um, But hospitality is also listed as a general command for all believers. And there are likely some of you who will kind of want to dismiss this whole idea because, well, I I don't like having people over at my house. I'm not a very good host. I don't cook very well. I kind of feel uncomfortable in those settings. And if that's your big concern, I would like to try to put your mind at ease today because that is not really what I'm trying to focus on. Hosting people is great. And it's, it's actually really, it's an excellent next step And it's something that some people are especially gifted at. And hopefully we can grow to do that. And I'm so thankful for people who are really good at hosting and love to do that. But the hospitality that I am talking about today is is something bigger than that yet. Hospitality is about being, or about creating and being a safe place. Especially in a a new, uh, uncomfortable, or even in a hostile environment. And so if you can remember the last time you were new or uncomfortable in any setting, you kind of know what I'm talking about. 
So let's take a look at God's heart for hospitality. The God-centered vision for hospitality kind of runs throughout all of Scripture. Hospitality and being welcoming was highly valued in ancient times. And Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34 gives us insight into that. It's one of God's laws that he gave the people after rescuing them from slavery in Egypt and as they looked ahead to the promised land. It says this, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so God's reminding them, remember where you came from. Remember how you felt when you were strangers in Egypt. In my kingdom, God is saying, we do things differently. We accept people. We extend grace to people. We love them as we love ourselves. And Jesus, God in human flesh, modeled hospitality better than anyone. Jesus' earthly ministry wasn't very long. Uh, If you think about everything that Jesus needed to accomplish uh, in those years before his death, resurrection, and ascension, uh, what do you think would be the best way for him to focus his time and attention? There's probably a variety of opinions. Um, Maybe it's lots of teaching. Developing a leadership structure to continue what he started. Do lots of miracles in order to reveal his nature and character. And Jesus did all these things, but never at the expense of people. Jesus saw people. He saw deep into people. He saw their their motives, their pain. He saw their struggles, their fears, their deepest needs. In Mark 1, verses 40 to 42, Jesus meets a man of leprosy. Now, lepers, they were the unclean people with this infectious skin disease who were forced to live in places of isolation. And the leper, he begged Jesus to heal him. Now, Jesus could have healed him from a distance. He's done it before. He did it in various places. But rather, the text says that he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And here we see Jesus saw this man's need. He saw beyond the need that was presented. Who knows how long it had been since the last time that he had received any physical touch. But by touching the man, Jesus saw something, and he gave this man something so much more than physical healing. He offered him acceptance and love. And then in Mark uh, 2, verses 1 to 12, Jesus allowed for the interruption of a desperate group of friends as they lowered their paralyzed friend before Jesus. And Jesus saw their need. He saw the need of this man. And he saw beyond his physical need that was presented. He saw this man's need for forgiveness. In Mark 2, verse 15, Jesus demonstrated hospitality by simply being present and available for people. In this case, it was with those who were considered the tax collectors and the sinners, those, those low lives as people would have considered them. 
And so the Pharisees ask, well, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Isn't Jesus better than this? To which Jesus replied, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so we see time and time again, Jesus made himself available and present for those in need. Then in Mark, Mark 5, my, probably my favorite example, people were crowding around Jesus trying to touch him with the hope that they would be healed. And in that crowd was an unclean woman. And as soon as she touched Jesus, she was healed. But we also read that Jesus immediately looked around to find her. And in Mark 5, verse 33, this verse has always struck me. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. I don't know what she was expecting. Maybe she was expecting to be reamed out for being unclean and touching someone or being in there. But here's what we see in Jesus. Jesus took time for her. He listened to her as she shared her story. It says she shared her whole story, her whole truth. He accepted her. He removed her fear that she felt by welcoming her. And the healing woman, the healing that that woman went home with that day, I assure you, was far beyond the physical. And I could keep going. This is only the first five chapters in Mark. I could keep going with story after story. Uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, comes to mind. Uh, Jairus, the synagogue leader. Uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, the Roman centurion. The rich young man. Uh, the hungry crowds. Uh, blind Bartimaeus. We see different people, different occupations, different nationalities. I invite you to just take some time one day and browse the Gospels and just take note of how many encounters Jesus has with people. And most of these stories are actually summarized in a few short verses. But even then, the intentionality that Jesus had to be present, available, and welcoming to people is astounding. And so real hospitality is healing for people. Now some of you may have picked up the the similarity between the words hospitality and hospital. Now the words are certainly connected. The church has always been intended to be a, a type of hospital for those in need. The church may not focus on on the physical pain, but as we listen, as we accept, as we welcome people, uh, we can bring a kind of healing that goes so much deeper than the physical. We connect with some of, with some of the deepest longings that every person has, right? the need for acceptance, the need for belonging, and for love, and most important, our need for a Savior. And this is what Jesus brought people time and time again. And it's what, he, it's what he, he so faithfully modeled. And he could have focused his time and attention on you know, things like strategic planning and mass communication and all the business meetings and stuff like that. But he chose to be present with people and welcome them. The gospel, uh, the story of God, is hospitable at its core. Jesus came into the world he made to show us his love to free us from the sin that destroys our relationships and to make a way for us to be reconciled to him in relationship. 
Mark 20, verse 28 tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He came out, he came with an eye out for all those who would cross his path. And Jesus ultimately demonstrated this most fully at the cross, where he opened his arms toward us, both literally and figuratively, with love and with welcomeness. And there at the cross, he took our sin, our insecurities, our fears, our anger, our shame, and all that stuff that destroys relationships. And in exchange, he offers us grace and peace and forgiveness and reconciliation. Grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of our goodness, but because of who he is. And so God is for you. And therefore, you and I are then called to be for others. And so how can we follow Jesus' example, his model in being hospitable to those whom God has put in our lives? I want to recognize that there are a number of different challenges that we, that we face when it comes to extending hospitality uh, to those people in our lives. And so here, here are three challenges that we face. Number one, uh, insecurities. Sometimes our insecurity and fear will keep us from reaching out to others. And we might think, well, what do I, what do I have to offer? But God desires to use you in whatever place that you are in. And he has orchestrated that, that you be a primary person in someone's life. And God has gifted you to accomplish that. And the second barrier that, that we uh, face in reaching and welcoming people is our busyness. Right, we can become so consumed with our own schedule, with everything that we need to accomplish, that we miss the value of people in our lives. And if you think you're too busy or important for people, uh, it's a good time to check your priorities. Jesus was the most important and gifted person to ever walk this earth, and he constantly made himself available for people. And a third reason we, uh, a third barrier why we struggle with hospitality is sometimes just a general lack of awareness. Sometimes we can become so preoccupied with ourselves that we simply miss what's going on around us. And so a number of years ago, I discovered this eye-opening one-minute video, and it's so beautifully speaks to our awareness, but rather than explain it to you, I thought I would just show it to you. So I invite you to watch this one-minute video with us. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? (laughs) 
Sometimes we can become so focused on ourselves, on, on our fears, our challenges, and everything that we have going on in our lives that we miss people and the opportunities that God has put before us. And so I invite you to, to pray for the eyes to see people and the opportunities that God has put before us. And so what are some really practical ways that we can practice hospitality today and bring people together, specifically in the context that we are in? Be present with people and listen well. If I could leave two things with you, be present and listen. And this is what Jesus did so faithfully time and time again. Look, we've gone through uh, so many months of isolation and stress. Uh, Likewise, there have been just an endless amount of diverse opinions expressed, most of which have caused a, a great divide among people. And what we need is for people to be faithfully present in our lives and to listen well. And so I invite you, we've been talking about life groups recently, I invite you to get involved in a life group to commit to being present in people's lives. And when you arrive at different places, be it at work or at school or at church, wherever it may be, show up with an expectation to serve and to bless someone else with eyes open and an open heart. God has put someone on your path. So take notice. And not only that, come prepared also to receive love and grace from others, especially here in our church community. And this is one of the reasons that we gather. Come prepared to give and receive hospitality from others. And if you're looking for some simple tips, what I heard the other day, Garth shared this with us. He says, if you're standing in a circle, uh, stand with your shoulders open so that there's space for someone else to join. Simple things like that can make a big difference for people. The time and the conversations that we have in our atrium uh, and after our, you know, before and after our worship services, they are generally not where deep conversations will happen, but we do hope that it can be a place for mutual encouragement and hopefully seeds for future deep relationships will be able to grow there. And secondly, learn to listen well. Ask questions. Take an interest in others. And just take note of how often Jesus does this in the Gospels. I have found that genuinely listening, to be genuine listening is, is increasingly rare in our culture because people seem to really like to talk about themselves. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. But how great would it be if you could take an active interest and invite someone else to share because they so desperately want to? Bryant McGill said, one of the most sincere forms of respect is actually listening to what another has to say. Listen to understand, rather than listening in order to think about how you can reply. Listening is often the only thing needed to help someone. It is a gift that you can give. And as you have opportunity to share with others, right when they invite you to share, I invite you lead with life-giving truth and love and, and you know all those controversial perspectives on controversial matters? Eh, we've done that already. Let's move on from that. We're better than that now. As we are faithfully present, as we are listening, we fulfill many of those commandments that are found in this Romans section here. 
By listening, by being present, we honor one another. We rejoice. We have space to rejoice and to mourn with others. We live in harmony with others so much more easily when we are present and listening. And it's humility in action. This Thursday is the day of truth and reconciliation. This is a good day for us to learn to listen well too. There will be those who feel the urge to defend, excuse, or dismiss the purpose of this day because they feel as though they were not personally uh, part of the problem. But I encourage you to make it a day to listen to understand. By doing this, we'll be practicing some of that hospitality as we invite others to engage and to share. Because at the end of the day, it's not so much, our, our mission is not so much about being right or wrong about secondary issues. Our mission is more about inviting people to experience the love, the grace, and the presence of Jesus. Our world is in need of, of hope and healing. Ever since Genesis 3, our world has been in need of hope and healing. And our welcoming and hospitable God came into this world to show us the way and to lead us into love and to freedom. And he has called you and me to follow and to extend that to those around us. God's plan has always been to use you and me to accomplish his good purposes. And therefore, I encourage you, ask the Lord for the eyes to see the people that he has put on your, on your path. And ask the Lord for the courage, the love, and the wisdom to be faithfully present and the fortitude to listen well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. That you are a God who came to us, who loves us, who listens to us. Lord, help us to be faithfully present before you and before others. And I pray, God, that this the welcoming added to the hospitality that you have shown us, Lord, that we can extend that to others and be grace and love for those in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.